President of the United States takes on the governor of Texas over mandates, the border wall, and control over the National Guard. <laughs> the United States takes on Texas? Yeah, that'll end well. This is TN, the Truth News Network. And here to delve into the bizarro world of the news today is Dan Newman. How bizarro can it get? <laughs> oh my goodness. It just gets bigger and deeper and wider every day. As long as Joe Biden is our president, folks, we're going to have the same thing simply because the day begins every day when Joe Biden, president of the United States, has to wake up and figure out where he is, who he is, and what he does. Not making fun of him. In fact, I pray for our president every day. I want him to be successful leading our nation. What's in it if we can't win together? That's what it's all about. Maintaining and improving our status in the world. How do you do that? By making things better here. We're going to wade into some things today that seem to look like we may be being led in the other direction, away from what's best for the nation. That's a scary thought, but we're facing it. We're going to begin our show today. We're going to talk about something that we got into a little bit last week. There's something really big in the wind with the World Health Organization, the WHO, and it directly will impact not just the United States of America, but every country on the planet. I, uh, I read to you a response that I get from Congressman Mike Johnson from Louisiana about this whole debacle, and I'm going to dig into it with you in just a second. This was last week, and I read to you how he replied to me, well, it's happening. At least the meetings are happening in Europe. The World Health Organization, as you probably know, is a subdivision of the United Nations. That should tell you a lot about what it is. So the question I asked Congressman Mike Johnson, and I ask you today, will the United States give up its authority to determine U.S. disease treatment, give it up to the World Health Organization, and give them unilateral control about our health care? That is not something that is way out. you got to understand that. It's on the plate, and it was put on the plate for this week by our president. Dr. Tedros of the World Health Organization, he's little more than a vacillating puppet. Guess who put him there as head of the World Health Organization? Communist China. He's a gaseous mix of hot air, unable to tender anything concrete regarding steps to contain or slow the spread of a pandemic. We've watched his quote-unquote work and quote-unquote success, right? through the COVID-19 pandemic. And the way he responded proved exactly he's just not the guy to run anything, yet alone healthcare. 30 months of rolling lockdowns, mask, PCR test, and other failed health policies speak volumes. Without big media propaganda and its co-conspirators in big tech, big pharma, Western governments, the virus would have flamed out. In 2020, they kept it propped up. 
and the global vaccine experiment would never have materialized. But that's not what happened. Dr. Tedros, neither a scientist, by the way, nor a medical doctor, but he goes by Dr. Tedros. He wants the WHO to be the sole authority for responding to future outbreaks of anything, anywhere. Imagine that. That's called failing upwards. Now, in a stroke of really suspect timing, a monkeypox outbreak grips the European continent the same week as the World Health Assembly hosts its pandemic treaty summit in Davos, Switzerland. Who could have written that script? Interesting, isn't it? We've got a monkeypox pandemic. We don't. And we know because of past monkeypox outbreaks around the world, even if it does happen, it's not a virus that spreads like we're accustomed to. 80 cases in 12 countries. Now, this is kind of strange. That's how many cases there were yesterday. 80 cases in 12 countries. You do the division there. That equals 666, 6.66 when dieted, when you divide from what was initially reported. That's kind of spooky. 666, mark the beast. That's how the game is played in a newspaper headline. It's a code for the globalists, and there are plenty of them around now. They don't even try to hide it any longer. The globalist that allows them to communicate out in the open without being noticed, they use things like 80 cases in 12 countries equals 6.66 average. In January of 2020, the Epoch Times interviewed Dr. David Fetson, who half a century ago, by the way, went to medical school with one Anthony Fauci and then joined him at the National Institutes of Health in his first years as a clinical scientist. So there's an article entitled, Who Fumbles Pandemic Preparedness for Coronavirus? And that article was published by the Epoch Times, who we frequently quote here, and laid down the tracks for the WHO's failure to respond to COVID-19 six weeks before the agency even declared a global emergency. Hmm. Dr. Fetson said, quote, the U.S. medical authorities are not in agreement. First, with its, the WHO's, inexorable march to make an Ebola vaccine since 2002, ignoring all other less costly and more effective non-vaccine treatments, This pattern of ignoring existing technologies and medicines was repeated by the WHO for Zika. And that pattern of failure played out for SARS in 03, again for the 2014 Ebola epidemic in West Africa. Today, the CDC and the WHO, along with other pharma-influenced health agencies, are intent on making vaccines the only response to any new outbreak of anything. So, get ready. Lockdowns are a must. We're headed back in that direction. This is not a fantasy, folks. We are looking down the throat of what I am telling you about today to happen this week. Last Friday, 
the World Health Organization wasted no time putting out a warning on the new disease, monkeypox. But an odd thing happened. Photos of monkeypox hands, lots of hands, and sides of bodies had been mined from older news headlines on shingles and other skin lesions and were repurposed to create another faux pandemic. On the front page, the story today about this at truthnewsnet.org, if you scroll halfway down the uh, the page, there is a picture, a picture side by side with another picture. The first picture was published May 21st, three days ago. And it's a picture of a hand with a lesion, and that's monkeypox. And then somebody holding a finger over that hand, and on the finger, there's a patch of monkeypox. But the picture side by side with that one, it's exactly the same. And it's reported as the third case of monkeypox reported in the UK in healthcare worker. The date on that picture September 26, 2018. Same picture side by side, but the first picture was from a New York City patient, we are told. Explain that. There's only one way to explain it. Setting the stage. Here's what Dr. Feldman said. As we enter the summer season in the European region with mass gatherings, festivals, and parties, I'm concerned that transmission could accelerate as the cases currently being detected are among those engaging in sexual activity, and the symptoms are unfamiliar to many. And then Dr. Hans Kluge, he said he's concerned. He is the WHO's regional director for Europe. He's concerned. That must mean, and so are mass gatherings. Something in his view, sexual activity is a no-no. Summer, this summer, will not be the summer of love like it was in 1969 with Woodstock, with Peace, and other, uh, I guess they were, communal activities around the world. It's clear the WHO will break out that same pandemic playbook used for COVID with the new phase being quarantine camps, we hear. No one will be allowed to have fun this summer. We're all going to have to live isolated and in a constant state of fear. I'm not trying to scare you. This has been very quietly going on behind the scenes, actually covered up a bit by our concentration, soul concentration in healthcare on COVID-19. But don't worry. Don't worry at all. The unelected overseas bureaucrats are going to handle the crisis, the WHO, and they vow to save us all. By two days ago, Sunday, May 22nd, 14 European nations reported about 100 cases of monkeypox with dozens more under investigation. Israel and the U.S. weighed in with much smaller numbers of people infected. Dr. Kluge of the WHO highlighted other areas of concern. One, monkeypox spreads differently from COVID. Two, stigmatizing groups of people because of a disease is never acceptable. Number three, its similarities mean it can be treated with the smallpox vaccine, with previous data suggesting the vaccine is at least 85% effective in stopping monkeypox. 
rinse and repeat with the same safe and effective vaccine taglines. The WHO's pandemic power grab. The mechanism for threat to freedom, it's coming in the form of a pandemic treaty. Now this treaty is what I am talking about is coming down this week. That treaty overrides nation's sovereignty and it bypasses their national charters and constitutions. Moreover, such an agreement would leave billions of people out of the conversation. My body, my choice would die on the altar, sacrificed by a Marxist plan for centralized global control, and they'll start with health care. They are starting with health care. And the Nuremberg Code, the Helsinki Declaration's pillars of informed consent, they're going to soon be nothing more than a historical footnote. The most egregious aspect of the plan empowers the WHO to set up countries and their people for failure with a vaccine-only policy. We saw it play out in 2021 COVID immunization disaster. Instead of the WHO sponsoring and providing those therapeutics like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine at the beginning of the stunt, they will wait yet again for fast-track Chinese-made vaccines to hit the market. As we've seen before, this response will fail one more time. Count on it. With too many conflicts of interest to list, the WHO, Communist China, Big Pharma, the United Nations, the UK and the US health agencies and their nonprofit and academic partners conspired to hide all this from us. They did it by sequestering alternative treatments. They concealed the lethality, severity, and ineffectiveness of the COVID vaccines. When you fail that monumentally, why would anyone allow the WHO to remain in business, let alone hand them the reins to manage the next pandemic permutation? Brazilian President Bolsonaro, he got ahead of the WHO's constitutional hijacking. He declared, quote, Brazil will not sign the WHO pandemic treaty. Now, let me give you something you can do, some homework. Download what Tedros, who's Director General of the World Health Organization since 2017, helped create one year before COVID-19. This was created three years ago. The title of it, 10 Threats to Global Health in 2019. And we have it in this article in the middle, 10 Threats to Global Health 2019, a hyperlink so you can go read that report. It'll scare you to death and blow your mind, but you need to read it. To be sure, the WHO oversold a few items on its list, but the pharma-invented catchphrase vaccine hesitancy ranked as the most vacuous, useless item of this whole thing. Vaccine hesitancy isn't even a thing. It's not natural, not even a mutation. It's a psychological tool to leverage weak minds and the COVID program. Here's what the WHO says, quote, vaccine hesitancy 
the reluctance or refusal to vaccinate despite the availability of vaccines, then it all threatens to reverse progress in tackling vaccine-preventable diseases. Vaccination is one of the most cost-effective ways to avoid disease. It currently prevents 2 to 3 million deaths a year, and a further 1.5 million could be avoided if global coverage of vaccinations improved. Where or where do you think that number came from? 2 to 3 million deaths a year. Vaccines stops it. How the heck do they know that? And how do they know a further 1.5 million could have been avoided if global coverage of vaccinations improved? That is nothing more than a sales talking point. There's no data to back it up. After a year and a half of COVID-19 vaccine hype and failure, the unsubstantiated numbers above show out of touch, how out of touch the WHO's propaganda was pre-COVID. Remember all that came out in 2019. The only surprise today is why the WHO still shows the false premise of vaccine hesitancy on its website when it's not a thing, it's not real. For the WHO and its globalist backers, and when we say globalist, what we mean a group of people that have for, gosh, centuries, wanted to translate government on the entire earth to one government. Those are called globalists. For those folks, World Economic Forum, John Hopkins University, and the Gates Foundation, For them to push their agenda forward to erect a one-world government, they're going to continue to need a pandemic to hide the theft and massive money printing of trillions of taxpayer dollars that this president has just jumped on the bandwagon. He did as much as he could before, thank God, Congress said, whoa, wait a minute. COVID-19 lost its mojo. Oh my gosh, that's great for everybody on earth, right? It's not for the globalists. According to several doctors, Omicron, which is not related to any coronavirus and is closer to SARS-A, defanged COVID's ability to scare. Omicron, did you get that? It is not related to any coronavirus. We were told that's a variant. It's not. Thus, another hoax or threat was needed to change the narrative. Here we go. Voila. The monkeypox outbreak shows up. The new skin lesion disease, which rarely kills anybody, showed up week before last, late in the week, a day after a year-long planned monkeypox drill. Did you know that? They've been planning it. They've been predicting we need it. Sure, the timing was uncanny. But when you learn who the sponsors of the drill are, one will be more apt to lean towards hoax. As the globalists push this monkeypox agenda and most of the 190-plus nations attending the 75th World Health Assembly Summit to sign away their citizens' rights to freedom and protection, that's happening right now. Three questions remain. And they go beyond Belgium and the United Kingdom declaring a 21-day quarantine for those people who test positive from PCR test. Number one, three questions. With more than 13,700 cases of shingles, a.k.a. herpes zosters, 
logged in the CDC VAERS COVID vaccine reporting system, they are noted as, quote, skin manifestations, including reactivation of the varicella zoster virus in an October 2021 National Institutes of Health study. That's number one. The question is, are some of the majority of the monkeypox cases the result of the COVID-19 vaccines? It'll be interesting to see how this new monkeypox case count are calculated and whether there will be a different pool between the vaccinated and boosted versus the unvaccinated. Question number two, Luc Montagnier, the late Nobel Prize discoverer of HIV, detailed the mechanisms that would produce vaccine-induced AIDS that destroy the immune system. He predicted this will occur in most of the COVID-jabbed recipients who have suffered considerable spikes in rare cancers and other diseases. So, are these vaccine-induced AIDS phenomena also behind the monkeypox outbreak? Hmm. Number three. It has concerned the European CDC to state that the monkeypox outbreak appears to have leaked from a U.S. biolab where in Ukraine. 31 U.S. biolabs scattered around Ukraine have been there for years. We've been funding them, and that's one reason why Vladimir Putin went into Ukraine, and we always thought he was going to head right towards Kiev, the capital, and just, you know, take over the country immediately. He went all around Ukraine before he started attacking the big cities. Why? Because those biolabs are there. He knows exactly where they are. He went to destroy them. <laughs> and they think it may have started in one of our biolabs in Ukraine. Has the rapid spread of monkeypox resulted from some new form of disease made in those biolabs? Whatever the answers are, and the truth will reveal, a major part of the monkeypox alarm is manufactured to pressure national leaders to give in and sign this WHO's pandemic treaty. Since that's the case, then it's wise to see if the contagion is a real threat or a ghost variant set to lock down and destroy non-essential businesses one more time. Rinse and repeat. Believe me, folks. There's a lot more to come, much more, and we're going to see it soon. So as I told you, I have been in constant communication with Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, who's right in the middle of this in the House. He's got all the latest, greatest information, so I reached out to him overnight about what's happening right now as a follow-up to what he told us last week, that he was in the process along with other Republicans in the House and Senate to try to stop this whole thing. He gave me some answers last night, and I have those for you right after this at TNN Live. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. 
Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT? Turkey bread. participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. Married to the truth. Divorced from the lies. Fighting for the future. TNN. The Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. Isn't it aggravating that you just can't get your mind wrapped around these things? And what makes it worse is there are so many out there. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the nation and around the world that directly impacts us here, look at all the things. We need real facts with which we can make determinations of what to do, what to think, and to get the truth. And then you have the mainstream media. You have the left in uh, the U.S. House of Representatives and the Supreme Court. And they're all about conflating truths and giving us things that they say here are the facts when they're really little more than their opinions on things and their opinions are 100% framed in politics. Forget about the truth of the matter. If they can't give you a political answer that makes them look good, they won't even talk to you about it. Everything is about everything. And they make it so that everything they say, everything they do, has to be pointed from their political perspective. So I reached out to Mike Johnson, our congressman in the 4th Congressional District in Louisiana last night, and I asked him for an update. How things going, I said. He said, it's a total mess. We're fighting them in every turn on everything now. All we can do is try and limit the damage of this nonsense if it goes through and then reverse it immediately when we retake Congress this fall, and the White House in 24. In the meantime, he said, here's the text 
of the letter on point that a large group of House conservatives sent to the White House late last week. So I'm going to read it to you, and I'll post this on the bottom of the story that went live today about the WHO, the the story we started with, and we've been talking about it. Here's what the letter to the president said. Dear President Biden, One of your first actions as president was reversing the Trump administration's plan to withdraw from the World Health Organization without achieving one single reform to the organization. In April of this year, your administration went even further by proposing amendments to the international health regulations that seek to expand the WHO's global influence. Any good that would emerge from the amendments your administration proposed to hold China accountable for its COVID-19 cover-up is outweighed by your administration's failure to field a candidate against Dr. Tedros, who undeniably assisted China in hiding the COVID pandemic. It is clear the WHO is, and will remain, incapable of leading global responses to health emergencies. In fact, 16 months after your administration pledged to reform the WHO from within, the organization is even worse than it was before. We believe that the U.S. should withdraw from the WHO. Absent such a withdrawal, your administration should at least work to overhaul overhaul its operations, not expand its power. Russia is a member of the WHO Executive Board with full voting rights today, while Taiwan is excluded from membership. Israel is being castigated with a dedicated standing agenda item singling out the Jewish state. Of the 34 items on the current WHO's Assembly's agenda, only one, item 25 targeting Israel, is focused on a specific country. In addition, last June, the brutal Assad regime in Syria which has targeted hospitals and medical personnel, was elected to the WHO's executive board. In short, the WHO is not working in the interest of the American people, if it ever even was. We are committed to holding your administration accountable for wasting taxpayer dollars by continuing to fund this corrupt international bureaucracy. We request all documents and communications related to the following. One, your administration's proposal of amendments to this international health mandates that is looking to be passed. Your administration's participation in any proposed pandemic treaty conversations at the WHO. Three, discussions related to Taiwan's membership of the WHO. Four, discussions regarding membership of the Assad regime and Russia in the WHO Executive Board. Five, the selection process for the WHO Director General. Six, efforts to remove item 25 of the WHO. Letter ended by saying, please respond no later than June 1st, 2022 at 5 p.m. I am sure they can expect a timely and complete answer to these questions. You and I both know this president is on a one-track agenda. No flexibility. No unity 
in any part of it. No deference to the United States taxpayers and citizens across our nation. It's about one thing, their agenda. And their agenda is now, we know for a fact, to turn over our health care, determination of serious health care items and issues and even pandemics when they happen to the WHO who will have the legal authority. If this goes through, they'll have the authority to tell every nation what to do and what not to do in a pandemic. They, by the way, are the ones that determine when something is a pandemic. They've already done it with monkeypox. And isn't it interesting? Did you know this? I'm going to blow your mind. Months ago, months ago, the Biden administration ordered a million doses of monkeypox vaccine and announced last week they're ordering more. It sounds to me like they know something you and I don't know. And they have plans about something that you and I aren't a part of. Of course, if it's treated like COVID-19, COVID-19, make no mistake, it's a real virus and it creates real disease, deadly disease. But it was extremely manipulated by politicians for political purposes. Nobody can question that. They knew things they ignored purposely from the very beginning that would have worked against COVID-19. And it was not those vaccines. There were already therapeutics in great numbers in circulation being used for other things here in the United States that they could have used and saved the lives. We don't know how many, but saved many, many lives and stopped a lot of the disease after effects that we are experiencing today and sadly will be experiencing these things for years to come because of reactions to these vaccines. I hate to even go back into this place. It was a dark place. I did not enjoy digging in and finding out all the evil that went along with COVID-19. It was weaponized against American people. Do you understand that our government weaponized COVID-19 and the fear of it and the misrepresentation of the facts in it for political purposes against us? If you've got an alter interpretation of this, if you know something that we don't, please let us know. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. 1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-378-7884. We're going to keep our eyes on this. We'll stay right on top of it. It's changing every day. And sadly, because it's coming out of Geneva, Switzerland and Davos, Switzerland, they've got the economic summit and then they've got this healthcare thing going on in Geneva. We're not getting good information. Our media is not giving us facts about this thing. They should be all in it. This should consume their airtime and their story print space, but it's not. You can hardly find out anything about it. That should open some eyes as well. Meanwhile, our guys in 
Asia, on his way home, may already be home, I don't know. But uh, he said some really crazy thing the last few days. As everyday Americans, we're all forced to live with the pain of gas prices spiking to record highs at the pump. Our president, he sees something far more alluring in the offing. Now, what do you mean, Dan? Well, he believes the country is going through, his words, an incredible transition from fossil fuels through high gas prices and onto something greener. And by association, of course, he says it's going to be better. He offered his take on gas prices in a joint press conference with Japan Prime Minister on Monday. Here's what he said. Here's the situation. And when it comes to the gas prices, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over, he said. Finding nothing but positivity and future sunshine for us all as the end point for their current pain. So let me just throw some data at you. National average for a gallon of regular gas $4.56 yesterday afternoon, which is more than 40% higher than just a month ago and bills on a succession of price rises. In parts of the country like California, the average price for a gallon, $6.06 on Monday. Diesel, that's used by farmers and truckers to supply us with the products we need. Prices up 75% over the past year. Biden claimed he's taken steps to prevent the price at the pump from going even higher. He pointed to the release of a million barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve as an example of his caring for day-to-day concerns of voters. Let me just point out a couple of things if you weren't with us yesterday. First of all, when they tap our, the people's emergency strategic petroleum reserves. It's not his. It's not the government's. It's ours. We paid for it. During the Trump administration, every drop of oil that is in the U.S. strategic petroleum reserve, he bought it and replenished it. You know why? He thought we needed to do it when gas was below a $1.60 a gallon. Great idea. So I'll just point out something. That belongs to the United States of America, right? Biden's tapping it a million barrels. He's already released a million, I think maybe even two million. Releasing it is not just giving it away. The government sells it to those evil oil companies that they demean every time they open their mouths about it. They scream and holler about these evil oil companies making billions of profit on the American people, and that this raise, this raising in cost and price at the pump, it's not because of the government and anything they've done or not done. It's because of those evil capitalists. You know what? None of these people were saying a word through the four years of the Trump administration. You remember gas prices went way, 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 way down. Buck 69 at a gallon's what I paid the day Joe Biden was elected. Yesterday at the same place, I paid $4. So what's happened? Well, first of all, 
government's got some profit because they're selling our oil to the oil companies out of our reserve and they're making good money. They don't want to talk about that. Secondly, a million barrels of oil. Do you know how long that will last in the United States? Less than a day and a half. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's kind of like having a having a big lake behind your house be so polluted and this has happened several times. Stuff on top of the water, there's lightning, there's a flash, it catches on fire. And it's almost like you're running out with a water hose trying to spray it and put the fire on the lake out. That's what that million barrel release is doing. It ain't changing nothing, folks. Nothing. And what I've been able to do to keep it from getting even worse, he said, and it's bad. The price of gas at the pump is something that I told you. You heard me say before. It would be a matter of great discussion at my kitchen table when I was a kid growing up, and it's affecting a lot of families. But we have released over 200 and I think 57,000 million barrels of oil. He said that. We have released, quote, over 200 and I think 57,000 million barrels of oil. <laughs> Us and the rest of the world we convinced to get involved. It's helped, but it's not been enough, he added. <laughs> you got to laugh, folks. You got to laugh or you're going to cry. I mean, that's just a fact. Now, let me make it worse. We're going to shift away from oil and gas. We're going to talk about something that this will toast you, immigration. Goldman Sachs, one of the biggest investment banks on Wall Street, They've reached out to Joe Biden and they're telling him that he should cut $100 billion from Americans' wages in one year. This is an American company, Goldman Sachs, and they're telling and advising our president that he could cut $100 billion from Americans' wages in one year. How? import two and a half extra million foreign workers. This is from Wall Street's leading investment bank, Goldman Sachs. So after former President Trump's migration cuts, the gap between the number of workers and the number of jobs has led to wage growth of five and a half percent over the last year. This is from Goldman Sachs. We have estimated that the worker gap would need to close by about two and a half million to return wage growth to the four to four and a half percent range. The long four cut of 1.25% in Americans' wages would take $137 billion from voters' pocketbooks each year in perpetuity. That's according to data provided by another Wall Street firm, Moody's Analytics. Now, they're making that statement. I'm reading from their release. I'll read that first line again. Listen, the longed for cut of one and a quarter percent in Americans' wages. Who longed for our wages to go down? Who did that? I'm not even going to answer it. 
And they continued, moreover, Goldman's focus is on stock values. Stock values are based on Wall Street's predictions of future profits over the next 20 years. There's your answer. There's only two ways to increase your bottom line in a company, which means to make more profit, and that's to raise your income, your revenue coming in, or you cut what you're paying going out and keep it instead of paying it out to whomever it's being paid to. In this case, they're saying replace Americans with two and a half million migrants who'll come here. They don't say this, but they'll come here and work for dirt cheap. And in many cases, you don't have to make them legal. They can just fly under the radar screen. The transfer of wealth from employees to investors accelerated. After 1990, when a bipartisan bill doubled the inflow of migrants and created a new white-collar visa worker program. That's since 1990. Now, since then, the value of the Dow Jones Index has grown 10 times, while medium wages and salaries are totally flat. During the same time, the NASDAQ grew 14-fold as blue-collar and white-collar workers were forced to share their labor market with millions of new foreign workers extracted from poor countries, and they work for less. And the bottom line goes to companies, corporations, and it turns into profits. Meanwhile, wages are stagnant, and the only raises anybody's gotten in the last couple of years is the necessity because of COVID-19 to just get people to want to come back to work. Goldman did admit that Congress is unlikely to pass another comprehensive uh, comprehensive immigration reform wealth transfer law. That's a mouthful. I couldn't even say it. Polling from Morning Consult suggests among Biden's major executive actions over his first year in office, reversing the Trump administration immigration restrictions are some of the least popular. Many polls show the unpopularity of Goldman's high migration, low wages agenda. But Goldman's authors, they say that Washington could market the labor supply changes and call them popular inflation-fighting measures. Quote, still, there are reasons to believe some liberalization of immigration policy could be politically beneficial. Inflation ranks as a higher priority than immigration among voters of all parties with the greatest difference among Democrats. Increase the value of stocks. And those stock-boosting changes could be established by Biden's deputies, not Congress. This is according again to Goldman. While major changes might be too politically controversial, Smaller changes, particularly around temporary work visas and potentially regarding green card recapture, might be the realm of political reality. This is all happening while we're drinking coffee and while we're watching the news and worried about the people in Ukraine. This is all going on behind the scenes. There is actually... I I accuse the Biden administration of never having plans never have anything set. They don't. They react to everything. 
And some of our biggest problems in inflation and wage stagnation and our supply chain crisis, now in our baby formula crisis, if there was a plan in place that had been put together, the, the, the pros and cons of every one of these had been discussed in the White House way before they actually came to be, a lot of this wouldn't have happened. If you were with us yesterday, I said this, none of this would have happened this way under Donald Trump. Some of it would have happened. COVID-19 did happen. But this other stuff, business people know how to prep and prepare long before something hits them that creates problems. Goldman's report, it's a self-serving fix for the benefit of their investors, but not for the nation's economic strength. What it should show everyone is that the corporate America is concerned about the next quarter in earnings per share in America in their corporations. They're not concerned about U.S. productivity. They're not concerned about innovation. The CEOs are concerned about how they're compensated, and they're compensated on maximizing corporate profit. That's not necessarily good for the corporation, and it's not necessarily good for America. And Americans know this. This is why investors have to sneak migration. They have to sneak in these illegal immigrants through rules and regulation changes because these things are so unpopular. The average American knows unbridled immigration hurts them. But Goldman's immigration as inflation cure theme is already commonplace among pro-migration writers and reporters. Biden has in plain sight several things that would reduce inflation significantly and yet appears hesitant to take them. That's from columnist Fareed Zakaria. He wrote on May 19th in the Washington Post and he added this. This is the time to reverse more of Trump's restrictions on immigration, many done by executive action and hundreds of which are still in effect, which have caused severe worker shortages in industries like farming, construction, and health care. So you have all of these people up at the top of our society, the endowed ones, the ones that have voices. They're given a place to share their voices, but they're very selective where they go to share them and who they share it with and what they share because middle America doesn't want to hear this. They don't want to hear this, but they need to. There's a target on your back. And the target on your back is coming from a bunch of big corporations that you're doing business with every day. Every time you go to the grocery store, every time you turn on the television, every time you read a newspaper, you log in and read something on the internet, you're opening up your door to the same people that want to replace you at work with people who will work cheaper. And that means profits, more profits, a better bottom line to these major corporations. Capitalism is amazing. But when anybody, I don't care if you're a capitalist or a bureaucrat, anybody that tries to bend the rules and make the rules benefit purposely one particular section of the nation, 
That is pure evil. And we have that underway right now here in our nation. We're going to have to push the... I, I keep saying this and I hate... I know that you're tired of me saying we've got to engage. We have to get involved. We have to speak up. But we do, folks. We do. If we do not make our voices heard, nothing's going to change. And nothing changes in the big scheme if nothing changes in the underlying scheme, the little things. If you want change, you can't keep doing everything the same way. Trying to do that and expecting success is absolute insanity. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Sorry it took so long to get into the meat of that thing, but it is a really big deal. Ceding any of the power over any sector of our lives as Americans is untenable. It will put our freedom, our liberty, the equality that was given to us by other Americans when the Constitution was penned back in the 1700s. This, this president, what he's about to do, what he's planning on, is signing that agreement and giving the WHO power over American health care, over serious things, serious health care matters, and the WHO will have sole power to make those decisions. This is scary. we got to segue on. First hour is almost gone. Texas representative, a Republican in the U.S. Congress, Chip Roy, he... Um, He's been all over the southern border thing, but he really sparked up on this latest debate about Roe v. Wade and abortion. And the reasoning being, Texas has very strict abortion laws that have been tested in court, 
and the court has come down on the side of Texas and there are appeals brewing and all of that. That, of course, comes and then, bam, immediately we get this leaked uh, from the Supreme Court draft. Supposedly, Justice Alito wrote a first draft on the issue from the Mississippi case that is before the court that will, if it is given uh, its just due, many experts predict that it will result in the overturn of Roe v. Wade. So the abortion conversation, it's just gotten deafening nationwide. Chip Roy, in a hearing in the House, he weighed in and confronted some people sitting before him about the health part of abortion. Listen to this back and forth. Um, Earlier, somebody was positing what sets us apart as a country, and I would suggest that it is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the constitutional framework that protects that. Um, Quick question for you, Ms. Foster. A lot has been made about the implications with respect to race on uh, the Roe opinion and what may come down this summer. Uh, Would you agree that if you look at the most recent data, 38% of abortions affect uh, black babies? Tragically, yes. 21% affect Hispanic babies? Yes. Um, a lot of numbers have been raised about, or a lot of questions and issues have been raised about rape and incest. And in fact, you had an exchange with my colleague from Maryland, Mr. Raskin, about whether or not he would accept limits on abortion uh, if there was, in fact, an exception for rape and incest. Uh, can you clarify for the record, uh, the Guttmacher Institute is, is a arm of Planned Parenthood, correct? Yes, founded as the research arm of Planned Parenthood. And according to data that I have, Less than 1% of abortions are connected to rape. Less than half a percent are connected to incest, according to Guttmacher. Does that line up with your understanding? According to the Guttmacher Institute, data suggests that most women seeking later terminations are not doing so for reasons of fetal anomaly or life endangerment. That's a quote. In fact, it's the same top reasons as first trimester abortions, which are financial hardship, relationship issues, and not feeling ready to be a parent, which are all issues where we as a a caring nation and and as loving community can come alongside the woman. And, and so uh, I, I think it merits conversation that, again, to your point, yes or no, do you believe that your answer was retor- the, the answer from Mr. Raskin, would it be a yes or a no? It would be no, correct? It would it be would no. not accept limits on abortion, even if you exempted the one, one and a half percent that fall into that category. Um, uh, Ms. Arambidi, just real quick, you, you made a couple of points, I think, during, during your testimony about uh, Texas. Uh, not being a particularly hospitable place, uh, generally, or with respect to uh, women as it relates to abortion. Um, and it made a point, I think, about lack of care uh, provided for for um, for women. Is it correct, I have information here correct, I believe that says that uh, there are eight and a half um, uh, pro-pregnancy uh, and pregnancy counseling centers for every uh, one abortion clinic in, in the state of Texas, that the legislature in passing SB 8 uh, appropriated $100 million for women's health care. Um, I, I guess my, my question here is, is, in light of that, and in light of Texas being in an inhospitable place, according to your testimony, uh, are you aware of how many people have moved to the state of Texas in the last decade? Do you know what that number is? I don't know. Yeah, I four, will say that the clinics four, that you're referring to are fake four million. clinics, and they don't actually. Provide four million people services. have moved to the state of Texas in the last decade. That's the population of the entire state of Alabama. 
have moved to the state of Texas by choice in the last decade. Um, I would tell, I, I would move to one other uh, question here. Uh, Ms. Robinson. Um, Could I finish the, my answer though about Texas? I, 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 quite, I didn't ask you a question about that. Ms. Robinson, I would ask you a question. When is the latest that you have performed an abortion in terms of weeks uh, of the uh, unborn child? Yes, my name is Dr. Robinson, and I provide abortion care in Alabama. So Alabama has... What is the answer to the question, the latest that you have performed an abortion? I'm going to answer your question. So unfortunately, number, my state weeks. is one of those states that has passed um, restrictions or bans on abortion care, which limits physicians like myself. And therefore, so, in other words, you'd like to do it later. What is the latest you have performed an abortion? So since I will always follow the law and I live in the state of Alabama, I provide abortion care up until 20 weeks gestational age. Okay, so you performed an abortion at 20 weeks. Yes, sir. Uh, and the procedure for an abortion, when we're talking about at 20 weeks, as I understand it, is dilation and extraction. Have, have you um, performed abortions at that stage? And in, in doing so, have you uh, had baby parts that you've had to uh, discard or store in some capacity? One of the things that you all have done Legs, throughout, arms, this, throughout this hearing is just use inflammatory language. Inflammatory, no, it's, just, no, it's a question. Ma'am, ma ma it's a simple question. Have you had human parts, baby parts, arms, legs as a result of an abortion performed at the time you just acknowledged you performed abortion? I am abortions a physician and a proud abortion provider. There is okay. nothing that you can say. Yeah, yes that or makes, no? Makes it difficult have, for me to talk about the care that I provide. Right. To so, have patients. there been baby parts? Yes or no? If you would like for me to talk, and to where you have about where and how have they been stored? Abortion for patients who need. Care so the answer to the question is fairly obvious. Age, I'm happy that there are baby parts, and you don't want to talk about how they're being stored. You don't want to talk about putting them in freezers. You don't want to put them in, talk about putting them in Pyrex dishes. You want to talk about the videos that we have from Planned Parenthood Coast, uh, uh, Gulf Coast in Houston, Texas. You don't want to talk about the reality the of what actually happened. has expired. That's Chip Roy from Texas. And um, I don't even need to say another word. Self-explanatory, speaking to an abortion doctor, one of them, and then speaking to an abortion expert that, obviously was pro-life at the beginning of it. That's the conversation that's going on right now. Do you realize that same conversation has been going on for generations, not decades, but generations? As long as people, as long as there have been men and women on the planet, abortion has been something that has been part of each society and it's been as controversial as it is today. Why is that? Aren't we the most scientific generation in world history? Don't we have more medical knowledge than any other generation in world history about everything, especially about biological things, our health care, disease, disease prevention, and yet we're still killing if you want to call them fetuses, call them fetus. I'll call them babies. We're killing 60 million babies through abortion. The reason for doing that. I got to be honest with you. I've, I've heard them all and none of them are reasons. They're excuses, not reasons. This conflated conversation is far from over and it's not going to get better 
it's going to get worse. It's probably the most divisive thing in our government today. It has been for a long time, but it's there. We've got to find ways to deal with it. And it is very obvious. There is no agreeable and acceptable way to do it at the federal level. And our forefathers knew it. They didn't specifically talk about abortion. It wasn't even mentioned. But they knew there were going to be issues that would come up in American history as our America developed its history that would require government intervention. And they didn't want it to be done the way it was done in Europe when they left and came here. How was it done over there? You had a single person, a king, in most cases, in European countries, would make the rules and make the laws and whatever that person said was the way it had to be done, period. They wanted to get away from that. They went 180 degrees away, and they set it up. You do realize the federal government was was not part of the beginning. We had 13 colonies, and they were the ones that mapped out and made the laws and made a decision to, to establish a federal government after the nation began. And when they did that, they documented it all in the Declaration of Independence and in the United States Constitution. And they put the process together to give the power to control everything, but especially controversial things like abortion to keep it as close to the people as is possible. Let the people decide. And that's why until 1973, abortion rules and laws were determined by the states. The states are the direct government of the people. Every state has a legislature. Every state has a governor. But both the governor of each state and the legislature represent the people of those states. They were never, our forefathers were never really excited about having a federal government. But they knew how large this nation is, and as it grew west and south, they knew it was going to be virtually impossible for the whole expanse of this continent to be governed by one government. It just wouldn't work. And, of course, they didn't have any of the communications and transportation access that we have now, which has reduced the problem there. But, nevertheless, they were right on. Government of, government by, government for the people. How do you do that? You just give people the government, give them, let them do it. It belongs to them anyway, and trust them to make the right choices for their communities. That would be a novel thing if it was in existence today, but... Bureaucrats are not going to let it happen. They want to be part of the power, part of that system. It's been that way from the beginning. Sadly, I think it always will be. And there's something in the wind again. This is going to frost you. White House COVID-19 response coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha was on ABC's This Week on Sunday, and Dr. Jaw said that Americans should be wearing a mask in crowded indoor spaces to combat the current coronavirus surge. I know there was an uptick of some cases, but I've not heard anything serious at all anywhere in the U.S. Nevertheless, if it's 
political favor and power that you're looking for keeps something stirred up. And boy, COVID-19 stirred us up for a long time. Why can't we whip it up every once in a while? Go back to it and scare the people at least for a week or two. Anchor Martha Raddatz said this, We have the daily case numbers now more than 100,000. I know you think the number is actually higher because of home testing. So what is your advice in these transmission areas? Dr. Jaw said, First and foremost, my advice is if you've not gotten vaccinated in the last five months, if you've not gotten boosted, now is a good time to do it. What we know is vaccines continue to provide a high level of protection against people getting seriously ill. That's advice number one. Advice number two, I agree with Merrick Eric Adams in New York City that says when you're in an indoor space, you should be wearing a mask. Crowded indoor places, high transmissions, people should be doing that. People have access to masks, vaccines, and therapeutics and testing. And then Dr. Ja added, we have a lot of infections out there because it's still quite disruptive. And 300 people a day are still dying of COVID-19. That's way too many. What I would say is we've certainly started really breaking that link between infections and deaths through two mechanisms. One, getting people vaccinated and boosted. Two, by making therapies widely available. Those therapies really help a lot. Despite how many infections there are, death numbers are still relatively low. We got to keep working on it. Those therapeutics he mentioned, therapeutics, those were things that they just kept quiet at the very beginning. And then when therapeutics started getting some ink, some airtime, what did they do? They went after anybody that said therapeutics were good. I'll never forget the hydroxychloroquine debate. And then it was ivermectin. And the doctors, the medical doctors, the research doctors that came out with bundles of statistics showing the efficacy of therapeutics like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and others. They laughed at those doctors. They put them down. Several lost their license. Dr. Peter McCullough, who was the head of the Baylor medical system across the state of Texas, even in Florida, he was the medical head of it. And he came out talking positive about the use of those therapeutics, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. He lost his job. And if our government had stayed out of it from the very beginning and just let the healthcare industry take care of it, none of this would have happened. None of it would have happened because real doctors look for real solutions. They don't have any, in large part, they don't have any political agenda. They want to be doctors. God knows they spent a buttload full of their time and money becoming doctors. And then when they get out there and do it, and the number one thing is to help people, get people healed, prevent people from getting sick as best as possible, and then politics steps in, it just screws up everything. They want us back in mask. If you think we're through or almost through with COVID-19 and its radioactive fallout and its tentacles that spread across the nation, things in your life that were changed by somebody else, some of those things will never be like they were ever again. Why? 
You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Once things get out in the open, they begin to fester and grow and they begin to be misrepresented and somebody picks it up and says, hey, here's something I can use against this person or this group of people, this company, this organization. Once it's out of the bottle, it's going to move around in perpetuity and do what it is that it does, whatever that is. And meanwhile, we're doing the really important things socially around the nation. Our criminal activity is way up. We have millions of people that have come in across the southern border illegally, each of them committing law-breaking when they do that. And we have people in government that were appointed, some were hired, some were elected, that are up there thumbing their noses at the federal law including the President of the United States. Nobody's holding them accountable. They can get away with anything. They tried twice to impeach Donald Trump. The first one was over the inflection of vocal in a telephone call with the former President of Ukraine. The House of Representatives impeached Donald Trump for that. And then they impeached him again. They weaponized everything. Listen to this one. The University of Illinois Chicago, their School of Public Health, is one of the many and the most woke institutions in the country. They're now promoting a narrative, and they came up with this new word. They call it fat phobia. Fat phobia is the last condoned form of discrimination. And unsurprisingly, in the age of critical race theory, guess what? It's rooted in racism, fat phobia. In a UIC health brief authored by registered dietitian Amanda Montgomery, the term larger bodies is introduced and it's supposed to replace obesity as a case is made against the stigmatization of fatness. Fatness was used as a marker of uncivilized behavior while thinness was more evolved. This idea was maintained throughout the U.S. in the 19th and 20th centuries as a way to justify slavery, racism, and classism, and control women through temperance. This is what this dietitian Montgomery is saying. This ideology has perpetuated desirability politics where thinness and whiteness are given more access to social, political, and cultural capital. She also argues the public health field has not taken a critical look at this research, focusing on the narrative that weight is controllable and a personal responsibility. If the goal is to find the most ethical and effective strategies to achieve optimal public health, we got to have an alternative to obesity and weight-focused approaches and a shift in understanding of weight stigma as a social justice issue. However, throughout her claims, Montgomery tried to demonstrate that her research may have been based more on the kvetching of similarly afflicted people in chat rooms than actual comprehensive studies she failed to differentiate between causality and correlation. 
Here's what she said. Rather than health issues coming from the consequences of obesity, decades of research have shown that experiencing weight stigma increases one's risk for diabetes, heart disease, discrimination, bullying, eating disorders, sedentariness, lifelong discomfort in one's body, and even early death. How do you how do you how do you quantify that with facts? Weight stigma, not getting fat, but she says there's research that shows weight stigma increases somebody's risk for diabetes, for heart disease, for discrimination, bullying, eating disorders sedentariness, that's sitting around on your can all the time, lifelong discomfort in one's body and even early death. What is this? People get fat. I'm fat. I'm overweight. I've struggled with my weight my entire life. My son is 6'9", weighs 340 pounds. He's got a belly. But if you're 6'9", you're supposed to be big. I'm not 6'9". I'm a little over 6 feet, and I'm a big guy. I don't like the fact that I'm slightly overweight, and so what do I do? I recognize it, and I do things to reduce it. Why do they have to put a label on everything that is politically correct and that doesn't alienate anybody except conservatives? They don't care about conservatives about anything. Don't sit there and chuckle. You know I'm telling you the truth. So let me ask you this. Did you pick up on any of uh, Joe Biden's stuff about Taiwan when he was in South Korea and Japan? He made some big-time waves and some things that he said, and oh my gosh, you should have seen. You probably did. Seen the roaches scatter when he said those things. Five times on this trip, the people in the White House had to come back out and clarify some things that the president said. Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, weighed in on Fox News about one thing that Biden said that really torched a lot of people. He was asked by a reporter at a news briefing there in Japan after he'd been to South Korea, was asking about China and what everybody feels is an imminent invasion of Taiwan. Got to talking about it and This reporter asked Joe Biden what he would do regarding Taiwan if China did invade. This morning, the White House in cleanup mode over the remark from uh, President earlier in Japan. The White House saying, quote, our policy has not changed. He reiterated our one China policy and our commitment to peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. And he also reiterated our commitment under the Taiwan Relations Act to provide Taiwan with the military means to defend itself. Fox News contributor Newt Gingrich is the author of the upcoming book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, and he joins us now. Good morning, Newt. Good morning. So what did you make of both President Biden's statement, which it's the second time he's been fairly definitive on whether or not the United States would defend Taiwan, and then the sort of pivoting, backtracking to, I guess, a more strategic ambiguity on our position between China and Taiwan. Well, I mean, look, I thought what President Biden did was exactly right, given the mess in Ukraine and the degree to which 
I think the Russians did not believe that the Western world would come to the defense of the Ukrainians. And now there's a much bigger war with worldwide implications of global famine uh, and just enormous problems. Uh, I think here he's trying to be very clear. And I can't understand, uh, I mean, I, I assume he doesn't have any control in the White House, because I can't understand how you walk it back. I mean, the word yes is definitive. Mm -hmm. And it's pro probably the right word to make sure that uh, Xi Jinping, who is the dictator and head of the Secretary General of the Chinese Communist Party, uh, Xi Jinping needs to understand that an attack on Taiwan would lead to a general war. Uh, because that's what would happen. I mean, if the United States goes in to defend Taiwan, we will be in a general war with China. Uh, it's not something you're going to keep localized. And we either are or we're not. And if your goal is to convince the Chinese communists not to invade Taiwan, what Biden did intuitively was actually pretty good. Uh, so it was a little strange to see his own White House kind of walking him back. He's the president, they're not. Well, now, really quickly as a follow-up, if our main goal is to avoid China invading Taiwan, and you're right, he's clear here, do not do that, it'll lead to military action, why has our position for so long been keep them guessing? Why has our position been strategic ambiguity? As a matter of diplomatic pleasantness, uh, I mean, the Chinese knew, and I've, I've been in conversations when I was Speaker of the House, the, China, the communists knew that any efforts across the straits would ultimately have to involve Americans. Uh, and so we've been very clear about that. The Ch Taiwan will remain independent. It can't declare that it's a free country because of the one China agreement. On the other hand, the deal was the Chinese communists can't invade. And so both sides have to keep their half of the bargain. And I think uh, given the confusion over Ukraine, uh, given a sense that Biden is weak, what President Biden did in Asia, I suspect at the request of our allies, was probably the right thing to do. You don't want ambiguity in dealing with Beijing. You want them to understand an attack on Taiwan will lead to a very large war that they will lose. What is your prediction? Do you think they will attack Taiwan? No, and what would be think, our response? You don't. Well, I, look, I think of, I'm guessing here. I mean, Xi Jinping is a very, very smart man. Uh, and I suspect he's looking at the mess the Russians are now in. And he's saying to himself, if the gap between performance and promise, when, when you've never tried it before, is that big, am I really confident? You know, the, the Nazis couldn't cross 21 miles of the English Channel. There's 160 miles in the Taiwan Strait. It's not nearly as obvious that you can get across. There are other things they can do, frankly. They can declare uh, missile test zones. They could declare that they have naval exercises. They could do a lot of things to cripple Taiwan and cut off commercial shipping. And that, that would not shock me if they tried that game and we would end up having to escort ships to get into Taiwan. But I think for them to directly attack Taiwan is a, is a high risk. And the failure of the Russians to perform, I think, has made it a higher risk. Because Xi Jinping doesn't know how his military will, will perform uh, the first time they go into combat. We have a pretty good idea because our people have been engaged for so long in, in real operations that we're pretty confident, at least for the moment, that we can defeat the Chinese if we have to. Uh, whether or not 10 or 15 years from now, given the bureaucracy of the Pentagon, uh, we will be able to modernize fast enough, I'm not sure.
I, I just can you imagine if Donald Trump's made two trip overseas in the last six weeks and he had to be walked back five times? Uh, they'd say, well, this businessman doesn't even know anything about diplomatic relations. This guy was chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee of the Senate. He's been doing this for 40 years, and he's got a bunch of staffers walking him back. And we don't even know. We discussed this in the breaks. What is the real policy? I mean, is he making mistakes, or does he have an administration that's working well, against him? I mean... Oh, I, I, look, I think that all of his key people are... Uh, hardline left-wingers who are terrified of the world and I think that Biden instinctively here was right uh, and I, I believe and, and as you know Claire, Claire Christensen and I wrote a book on Trump versus China and laid out the whole Chinese threat um, I think that the clearer you can be we're not in a situation of strategic ambiguity because you don't you don't want Xi Jinping to, to gamble yep. and try to take Taiwan I thought Biden was right and his staff is nuts Biden is right, and his staff is nuts. That's from former House Speaker Newt Gingrich. Did you follow that conversation? It's very cohesive, what Newt said. Here's the problem, though. You can't predict Joe Biden because he's all over the place. He'll say something is so, and 10 minutes later, he'll say the exact opposite is so. If you think we're having a problem here understanding and knowing what's going on, imagine the leaders of foreign countries. I mean, everybody on earth has always looked at the United States because we're a good pattern. We have the best government in the planet, at least up till now in world history. No, it's not always a government that does what everybody wants to do, but that can happen. There's no way to make it happen for everybody. We all have different ideas and desires and thoughts and things we like and things we don't like. And therefore, in this country, our forefathers established a representative republic. It is a government. It does make laws. It does regulate the people. But it does those things based on what the people want rather than what a bureaucratic instrument at the top, if it's one person or if it's few people, rather than those people make all the rules and the laws the people themselves have representatives that do that for us. How do you think all these people overseas that have been watching the U.S. in this very successful structure for 260 years, how does he think this makes them feel? There are countries that used to look at us as kind of their, their backstop. When things got bad, they could always turn to us, even if it was at a last resort, to bail them out, protect them. And we've always been there for that. We used to could be relied on. They can't rely or they don't feel they can rely on Joe Biden. And there are plenty of examples of their being right. They can't rely on Joe Biden because he's all over the place. Nobody knows where he stands. He was asked a simple question in that press briefing. If China attacks Taiwan, will you commit to a military response if possible, if necessary. And he said yes. That threw the world in panic. Nobody in the world, except maybe Vladimir Putin, looks forward to and wants war. I don't even think Xi Jinping does. There are so many negative things that happen in a war besides the obvious. People get killed. 
and countries get flattened, infrastructure destroyed. It sets back progress in many cases for generations in a country that goes through that. Nobody wants that except a very few and they're in it for whatever they can get out of it or whatever they think they can get out of it. There are people that like that, but besides that small segment, nobody wants to get back in anything like that. I hearken back to Vietnam. The bulk of the Vietnam War was put together and perpetrated by Lyndon Johnson, who was a senator in the United States Senate from Texas, Texas governor. He became vice president to John F. Kennedy. Kennedy is assassinated. Johnson becomes president. The Vietnam War had just started, and there was a real, real economic opportunity there for a lot of the uh, big defense contractors, you know, the airline, air manufacturing, and military weaponry, and all those kind of people. Just so happened... The former governor, now President Johnson, had a bunch of friends in that business. And all those companies, all those people made millions, tens of millions of dollars back in the 60s because of that lust for power, which begats money, which makes everything make the world go round, at least people think it does. The love of money is the root of all evil. Just keep that in the back of your mind when you're trying to figure out what's going on. Well, there's a big problem in the White House. Everybody's understanding people don't like what they're doing. (laughs) White House Chief of Staff, he's been a total failure, a fraud. Ron Klain, have you ever seen him? Do you know what he looks like? I have. He's been around for years, but he's always been kind of in the shadows than he is now. A CBS News poll spells disaster for Joe Biden like he needed to hear about it again from someone else. But according to his chief of staff, Ron Klain, with 69% of Americans saying the economy is bad, 63% saying that the state of the country is uneasy and worrying things are actually looking up. Now, of course, the chief of staff doesn't want Americans delving too deep into the statistics. And here are... The statistics. Biden poll from CBS News. 69% say the economy's bad. 65% say Biden too slow to react. 63% describe state of the country as uneasy and worrying. Taking to Twitter, Ron Klain, chief of staff, responded to the poll with an ambitious spin, even for a company guy. He said, I hate to spoil the narrative, but this poll shows... Joe Biden approval rating moving up and solid public confidence on the two biggest problems he inherited, COVID and jobs. Are you sure, Mr. Klain? Because according to one user, the gain is within the margin of error, which means there may be no gain at all. And that's just one poll. According to Axios, Biden's approval rating stands at 44%. 56% disapprove of his handling of the presidency. And it's got a a two-and-a-half-point margin of error. If Ron thinks these numbers are good for this narrative, Biden should get a new chief of staff, which I think he needs to anyway. 
According to CBS News, the number who say things in the country are going badly overall is at the highest level of Biden's tenure, too, as pessimism about the market, the economy, prices, drives views looking forward, and outweighs optimism about boat jobs and the coronavirus as we head into summer. Goodness, Ron, how you're able to apply lipstick to this pig is stunning. That was a tweet. COVID was done when you got it, only for the administration to stoke it back up to fail results. And jobs, seriously? The economy was rebounding until you clowns decided to actively crush the fossil fuel industry. He inherited low gas prices. No war in Ukraine. Plenty of baby formula. He is weak and feeble. Everybody in the world sees it. Representative Buddy Carter, Republican from Georgia, claims reaction to the dismal poll is an indication of how out of touch the Biden administration is with Americans. It's just one thing after another. Sometimes I think, you know, we might as well not even talk about it. Because <laughs> uh, it's out there. We know it's out there. And uh, there's not much we can do about it, but we got to tell people about it just so you know it's out there, right? That's the way I think about it. So what's still ahead? As I told you yesterday in the show, we couldn't even get close to getting through all the material, the important things that we needed to talk to you about. Let me tell you what's up ahead. We've got a half hour left. In just a moment after the break, Leo Terrell is going to join us. And he's going to talk about what came out overnight. You remember that letter that was sent to the Department of Justice from the school board, the National School Board, requesting the DOJ activate the FBI to go after parents around the nation that, according to this letter, were threatening school board people and educators, and they're scared. They want the Department of Justice to take a look into that. And so Attorney General Merrick Garland He wrote a memo, and it set the world on fire. You remember all that? Well, guess what? There's more to the story than we know. That'll probably shock you. What won't shock you is when you hear what's up. That's next. And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. 
Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy. Live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. The view from the top is reserved for the bold. And the bold tell the truth. Truthnewsnet.org You know, I, I, I don't know if that's true. The bold tell the truth. I think many of the bold do tell the truth. I think I'm bold and I get in people's faces. I do it in a nice way. You know, when you get in an argument and you start throwing around names, you know, and just get all temperamental, get in somebody's face, very seldom do you have any good results that come from that. So why do it? I mean, all you do is get yourself in an uproar, make yourself feel bad. You'll denigrate somebody else and that never accomplishes anything. I don't think it does. Do you? Well, this thing about the school board stuff and about that letter, there's a whole lot more to the letter we found out overnight than what we were told by everybody involved in that whole situation that happened. I'm talking about the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, the FBI, and there's even more to it now. Leo Terrell, African-American guy, you seem often as a contributor on Fox News. Um, Sean Hannity labeled him Leo Terrell 2.0 because if you remember years ago, he was a hardcore Democrat leftist and he would come on various Fox News programs as a guest and he always took the far left perspective. Uh, the Barack Obama perspective, and he was anti-Trump, hated Trump, until all of the stuff began to happen during the Trump administration that turned around so many things Leo couldn't understand it. He made the switch. He made the move. So Leo, early this morning, was on Fox News talking about the new revelations about that letter that ended up starting the whole squabble and we first found out how deeply involved politics are in our education system around the nation. Here's Fox News and Leo Terrell. Troubling, more than troubling, new details reveal the National School Board Association planned to ask the White House for military deployment to monitor parents at school board meetings. The September 2021 draft reads, we ask that the Army National Guard and its military police be deployed to certain school districts and related events where students and school personnel have been subjected to acts and threats of violence. Fox News contributor and former history and social studies teacher Leo Terrell joins us now. Leo, good morning to you. Um, I want you to know I'm behaving. I'm always behaving, so you don't have to (laughs) admonish me. I always behave. Hey, Leo, this is astonishing. This is horrendous. Tell me your thoughts on this letter, and it reveals a plea to bring in the National Guard. 
an understatement, Will. What I mean, I, the American public needs to know this. The leftist national school board, in conjunction with the FBI, Department of Justice, and the White House, they wanted to threaten, intimidate moms and dads who were concerned about their school-age children's curriculum by bringing in the military. I mean, th this is just unheard of. And it's all designed to promote a left-wing agenda. Well, look what happened in Virginia, the critical race theory. The leftists wanted to control the school board. They wanted to federalize education and take it away from local parents. And they were going to call parents domestic terrorists and bring in the military. What happened to our First Amendment right to express our disagreement with the educational system? That's what was at issue. Yeah, Leo, I I personally don't think this story can be overstated. Originally, when I was looking through this, I, I, who drafted the letter? Who, and you come up with the name Chip Slavin, right, this interim CEO of the National School Board Association. But he's just one individual. We can't overlook or forget the fact the Department of Education and Miguel Cardona and the White House helped draft the letter originally. So in other words, the federal government, the Biden administration, helped draft a letter that called on the Biden administration to deploy the military on parents. This was a organized network of leftist organizations, National School Board, the union. Listen, Will, since the Biden administration got into the White House, they have been trying to develop a plan to indoctrinate our children. Mm -hmm. And this is scary. As a school teacher, in my 30 years of being a public school teacher and a lawyer, I've never seen this before. They want to basically brainwash our kids with racist leftist theories. And you saw what happened in Virginia. Even Democrats rejected it. Look who's in the governorship in Virginia because there was an uproar. I don't think people can really understand the magnitude of this. For right. them to put in a letter military intervention. Right. That is a threat to our country. And by the way, they need to go to a government class because you can't use the military in civilian affairs. Call parents domestic terrorists, bring in the National Guard, all if they have an objection to their children's education. Leo Terrell, always good to see you. Thank you, Leo. Wow. Isn't it amazing? And just imagine how much of this goes on behind the scenes that we never hear about. We don't, in many cases, in most cases, don't have access to all this, but it's almost like the federal government is a duck that's swimming out across the water, and you're looking at the duck, and there are no ripples. He just kind of very quietly and serenely just moves across the top of the water when all of the action's taking place underneath. His feet are just paddling up a storm to do what we're seeing happen at the top, but don't, we don't see everything happening underneath. Just know this for a fact. In our government, there's a lot of stuff that's happening all the time. And most of the time, it's not really very good. As you know, Michael Sussman, former legal authority for the Clinton campaign, is he's in a, he's in a trial in Washington, D.C. that may determine his life for a while because the penalty for lying to the FBI, which is what he's charged for, might send him to jail for a while. There's been a lot of exposure coming out of this, this Durham trial, John Durham Federal Special Counsel, looking into 
all of the stuff that went on in the Russia collusion case, that's what this is all about. Well, guess what? Now that it appears that special counsel John Durham has proven that Hillary Clinton played an active role in spreading the Russia hoax to the media, many people on social media are wondering how, after an exhausting two-year, multi-million-dollar investigation, how former special counsel, and the former head of the FBI, by the way, Robert Mueller, could have possibly missed her involvement in this thing. Remember his report came out? He found no involvement. The former manager of Clinton's 2016, Robbie Mook, he testified last Friday during Durham's trial of Michael Sussman that the former Secretary of State agreed to leak phony allegations involving the Trump Organization and a supposed back channel to Russia's Alpha Bank to the media. He was under oath in the trial. Mook claimed he was unsure of the veracity of the evidence, discussed it with Hillary, and she agreed. Give it to the press. Just like that. We now know for sure that Hillary was involved with the actions of that law firm, Perky Perkins Coy. That's the law firm for which Sussman and Clinton campaign general counsel Mark Elias were at the time partners in. Their collusion with Fusion GPS that was hired by Mark Elias, the attorney, to compile that infamous, completely debunked Steele dossier. With that simple connection now made in a court, Durham, Twitter wants to know why Mueller failed in his investigation to turn up the same information and why he claimed before Congress to not even have any knowledge of Fusion GPS. $40 million. 2,800 subpoenas, 40 FBI agents, 19 Department of Justice lawyers, 500 witnesses. Robert Mueller doesn't know about Fusion GPS? The numbers that user cited came from former Attorney General Bill Barr in his 2019 summary of the Mueller report, which was printed, by the way, in the New York Times. Mueller's investigation took a lot of time, cost a lot of money, did not uncover anything, anything important to changing or charging anyone for feigning the Trump-Russia collusion big lie, wrote someone else. The Durham investigation has found out enough that I want the money paid to Mueller for his investigation, want it paid back. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Another user Mueller's inability to discover what Durham has found was intentional. How did Mueller and 40 attorneys, two years investigation, 30 million taxpayer dollars, how did they miss all that John Durham has found? Purposely, that's how. Every one of them needs to repay taxpayer money, then spend many years in jail. Why more people aren't asking the same question may have to do with the surprising fact that many Americans are still unaware of John Durham's findings. Think about that. How would people get to know about that? Well, the media, of course. You think the media is going to cover all of the dots and dashes in this new finding by John Durham? No, they don't watch Newsmax or One America or Fox News. 
they read the Washington Post, the New York Times, and they watch MSNBC and CNN. They're not going to see any of this on that. When news of Robbie Mook's testimony broke, even billionaire Elon Musk was shocked. He had tweeted about the Sussman trial and a 2016 tweet from Hillary in which she declared, computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. In light of testimony in the trial, Elon called the tweet a Clinton campaign hoax. Interesting, isn't it? I guarantee that Elon Musk tweeting about Sussman is the first time the vast majority of people on this website had ever heard of him. Probably John Durham as well. Twitter has been suppressing tweets about the trial all last week. But for those who are in the know, the next step is obvious. Listen to this. Hillary, if John Durham hasn't been investigating Hillary Clinton, it's time Mr. Durham, to investigate Hillary Clinton. In fact, a recent poll found that a whopping 73% of Americans who followed the Durham story, regardless of whether they're conservative or leftist, Democrat or Republican, 73% believe Durham should investigate Clinton for her role to frame Trump as a Russian agent. Wow, 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 wow. Got some other news. We got something about this faux pas, this thing going on between the Catholic Church and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Can you believe with all we have going on that we're going to talk about her not being able to take Holy Communion in the Catholic Church in San Francisco? I can think of a million other things that are more important, but this is making news every day. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but you need to know the latest. In some ways, it's kind of humorous. They basically are saying, yeah, we know you're the Speaker of the House, and yeah, we know you're a wealthy San Franciscan and all that kind of stuff, but maybe, oh, maybe you don't need to come to church anymore if you want to take Holy Communion and go somewhere else. Like in D.C., they get to do that there. She and Joe, communion. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag hot and modern. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. Golly, I'm running out of time. Let's jump on this uh, Nancy Pelosi story. The Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. mistakenly emailed a reporter asking for comment on its position regarding the San Francisco Archbishop's 
decision to bar Pelosi from receiving Holy Communion because of her stance on abortion after Pelosi reportedly took communion in Washington on Sunday. So you got the one in Washington that's giving she and Joe the opportunity to take communion, and then in San Francisco, not so much. So when the Washington Examiner reached out to the Archdiocese for comment, the outlet received an email stating that media requests on the subject will be ignored. Just sharing for you to know what comes in, the email stated. Email since Saturday. When I last checked the comms inbox, has just been a couple of random people wanting to tell the Cardinal to bring down the hammer on Pelosi. Aside from Jack Jenkins at RNS, this is the only new media inquiry. It will be ignored too. <laughs> so after the examined, after they followed up, a spokesman acknowledged the email had been sent by mistake. I apologize for the mistaken email, the spokesperson said. We've not been responding to inquiries on this topic because Cardinal Wilton Gregory's position has not changed from what he said in the past. Cardinal Gregory has no comment about the issue of Catholic politicians receiving communion. The actions of Archbishop Cardioloni or his decisions to make in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, Cardinal Gregory has not instructed the priest of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington to refuse communion to anyone. Of course, he, the Cardinal, dodged the issue of whether to give pro-choice politicians communion in an interview in September of 2021. He said that the bishops are not there as police, We're their pastors, and as pastors, we certainly have to teach the faith of the church. We have to be true to the church's heritage of faith, but we also have to bring people along with us. It's not simply a matter of pointing out their errors. So you've got the archdiocese in San Francisco. They're at odds with the archdiocese in Washington, D.C., and normally, folks, you would think regarding politics about this issue, they'd kind of be on the same plane because both areas, San Francisco and Washington, are very, very liberal. And liberal means any conservative ideal is junk, like, you know, pro-life stuff. (laughs) It just proves something. Folks, churches are made up of people, and people have different ideas about everything, and you can't get everything to be appreciated by everybody. It just doesn't happen. So Joe Biden and his administration, they're all into green energy. I mean, so much so, that's why he pretty much kicked the fossil industry out of being tolerable in America his first day in office And he's almost solely responsible for the cost of carbon fuel that we're all paying at the pump. Everything's going up. All cost of anything energy-related is going up. They should have had a plan. Well, his only plan is electrical, electrical, electrical. Well, guess what we found out? You know, they told us what everybody needs to do, green energy. You 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 don't have to deal with gasoline in your car if you get a battery-powered car. Well, guess what? Every battery-powered car has to have batteries. 
Where do batteries come from? In many cases, they come from China. A lot of the minerals that come that go into batteries, a lot of minerals come from out west here in the United States. So what was announced overnight? The cost of electric vehicle batteries is going to soar amid the ongoing Russia-Ukraine conflict, supply chain disruptions. Electric vehicle sales have remained strong so far this year. Two million sold worldwide in the first quarter. The International Energy Agency said further efforts to diversify battery manufacturing and critical mineral supplies are needed to reduce the risk of bottlenecks and increased prices going forward. Isn't it interesting? Everything that becomes political, everything that people turn in the political fodder, it ends up costing Americans more. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's kind of the exact opposite of the four years in the Trump administration. I'm just re- reminding you folks, we don't need to get caught up in the things about what we're seeing and hearing on air reading in newspapers from the Post, Washington Post, New York Times. There are answers for everything. There are solutions to everything. And sometimes things as they are are pretty darn good. Thank you for being here today. So glad that you shared it with us. Back tomorrow, we'll have more good news, I promise you. We'll see you then. Have a great one. See you tomorrow. They paid paradise and put up a fucking lie. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? They be in paradise and put up a fucking line. They took all the trees and put them in a tree museum. And charged the people a dollar and a half to see them. No, no. You don't know what you got till it's gone. You'd be in paradise and put up a fucking lie.
She wanna get 